You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, June 12th, 2019, and this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. It, it is so good to have you with us today. As always, you can get this show on the Himalaya podcast app, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And leave the show a good review if you do enjoy it. Well, the introductory press conference for Joe Douglas is in the books. The Jets general manager was introduced yesterday, and it's probably the easiest day Joe Douglas will have. We are very much in the honeymoon phase, and... I think the easiest part of the job is winning the press conference because, you know, you've never you haven't really done anything. Now, Joe Douglas actually did make a move yesterday. He cut the tight end, Neil Sterling. But when you're doing your introductory press conference, it's all about talk. You can talk about how great things are going to become. You know, you can lay out your vision for the franchise. And it's the easiest part of the job. And it's the least important part of the job, because the important part of the job and the tough part of the job is building a good roster, building a roster that wins games. The the job comes down to winning games, not winning the press conference. So lots of praise for Joe Douglas's performance at the press conference yesterday. And, you know, as always, whenever there's, there's an introductory press conference, the talk is always how things seem so different now. I don't think things seem so different because of the press conference. I mean, that was a pretty standard press conference where everybody comes out excited. That's That happens every time. I think the reason things seem different this time is just the pedigree of the candidate. This is the type of candidate that usually the Jets ask to interview and get turned down by. You know, usually the process starts and they seek out a big name or two, whether it's an Eric DaCosta of Baltimore, who's now the general manager and off the table anyway, whether it's a Chris Ballard a few years back, George Patton a number of times. You know, the guys who are widely viewed as the next great candidates for general man- manager, Jets usually try to interview them and get turned down. Those guys usually do not even want to interview with the Jets. And, you know, maybe it goes to show you the the difference a quarterback makes. I think that having a quarterback is the biggest thing about this job. It may be the biggest thing that separates the jobs people want from the jobs people don't. Because when you have a quarterback, you have a chance. Um, So the Jets did land land their guy. I think that's the bigger deal than anything you take away from the press conference. But with that said, I mean, I think there actually were some – Relatively interesting points Joe Douglas made. Actually, usually these press conferences, if I take away like one nugget of information, it feels like a lot because there's not much substance. There's just talking about how, you know, we've got a good group of people around us here. We've, you know, our goal is to win. We're going to build through the, usually it's just the the same stuff over and over. I think Joe Douglas actually gave us a few interesting insights. So we're going to talk on today's show about some of the things that came up in yesterday's press conference. And you know, the first thing that was somewhat interesting, and it, I, I guess it kind of goes without saying, but you know, Douglas was asked a little bit about how he can immediately improve the team, and it's a tricky spot because he, you know, free agency is pretty much finished, the draft is done, so the mechanisms by which Douglas can improve the 2019 New York New York Jets are rather limited. Uh, Douglas did make this point. He said, 
we have the number three spot in the waiver wire and you know we're going to be active that's that's a, essentially that's not a quote that's a paraphrasing of what he said which is actually a good point and i guess that would be that would be true of any general manager the jets hire but it is worth noting that the jets do have the number three spot in the waiver wire and so what the waiver wire is in case you're not familiar with this and if you are familiar with this you can fast forward through the through this part of the show but players who have more than four years of experience in, in the nfl if they are cut they become free agents they can go sign with another team they can work out a new contract with another team Players with less than four years of experience do not immediately become free agents when they are waived by their current team. The other 31 teams are all given a chance to claim them. And if you claim a player who's been waived by another team, you are awarded. You can be awarded that player and you just take his contract. You, you, you get his full contract. You, you don't need to work out a new deal with him. And if more than one team puts a claim in on a player, then that's where the order in the waiver wire comes into play. And the order in the waiver wire is determined by the team's record. So during the offseason, and actually from the offseason through the first few weeks of the regular season, it's determined by the previous year's standing. So, of course, the Jets, having owned the third overall pick, have the number three spot. So essentially the only two teams, it, it, when, when players are waived, young players are waived with four years of experience or less in the NFL, the Jets will get, if the Jets claim that player, the only it doesn't matter if any other team claims him. The Jets will be awarded that player unless the 49ers or the Cardinals, the only two teams ahead of them in the process, claim them, which is something of an advantage. And it, this is not like your people always ask me this. This is not like your, you know in your fantasy league sometimes when you claim a player, then you go all the way to the end of the, of the line. That's not how it works. The Jets will be number three heading into the season, and then after a few weeks in the season, then it goes in, then it goes. Be, is set by the standing it'll be set by the 2019 standings but through the offseason and through the first few weeks of the regular season the jets will be number three in order of the waiver wire now this is not going to be the type of I, it's probably not going to be the type of thing where the jets are going to get a major impact player you're probably not going to get a pro bowler off the waiver wire sometimes you can though sometimes you get like a developmental guy who eventually turns into a good player for you but it is the type of thing that can help depth and you know if your team is not that deep at certain positions you might scan the waiver wire because I mean, let's be honest, right now, the 54th best player in New England or in Philadelphia, who you know, a player Joe Douglas might know, is probably going to be better than the 53rd best player on the Jets roster. So it's a chance to improve on the margins. It is a chance to add, you know, role players such as special teamers, such as developmental guys. It, it's an opportunity to do that, but it is a small advantage. It was a good point Joe, Joe Douglas made, and I mean, I don't think Joe Douglas is going to be uh, improving this team drastically through the waiver wire, but it's the type of thing that can help the team at the margins a little bit, improve, you know, at least make some of the positions on the team deeper by adding good players. And the smart teams in the league utilize the waiver wire effectively and find contributors through there. Locked on Jets on this Wednesday, the day after the new general manager of the team was introduced. We're talking about some of the takeaways from Joe Douglas's press conference, and I'm a little surprised that there are this many. Uh, you know, there actually were some pretty informative comments Douglas made. Now, one of the big questions for Joe Douglas has been how he views analytics, because many people have assumed that he's not a guy who really buys much into analytics. In Philadelphia, that's an organization that's very analytically inclined. Douglas was more the traditional guy. He was kind of the counterbalance, so to speak, 
of the uh, use of numbers in Philadelphia. He, he provided a more traditional scouting, uh, uh, a scout, uh, more traditional scouting force within that organization. And I think that's made some people assume that he's not necessarily inclined to embrace numbers. Well, Douglas had something else to say about this. He said, I think it's a great tool, and this is a quote, and I think it's important because oftentimes coaches and personnel evaluations are so subjective, and I think it's important to get in that objective viewpoint. It really helps to paint the entire picture and maybe bring up some points that we never would have discussed without analytics, so I, did, so I do value analytics. It made me have an appreciation just to see the other viewpoint and not be offended that there's someone besides a scout giving an opinion on the player, so it helps, just like I said, paint the picture. And I think that's a great point. I think that's a great argument. It, it struck me that this idea that Douglas was against analytics, it seemed to me like that may not necessarily be based in reality because this is a guy who was just with the organization at the forefront of analytics in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. And it seemed to me that if this guy was there and he saw that how effective the use of analytics can be, why would he not embrace it? Especially a guy who, by all measures, sounds like an open-minded, collaborative guy. And it's like he said, this is this is the thing that I, we did a show on this recently. It's not like you're going to throw out, you know, like you're going to fire the entire scouting department and start making decisions based on a sp- what you see on a spreadsheet. It's just another tool. It's another set of information you can utilize. And he, this is a great point. I think especially what the, the point he made about, about how uh, sometimes it's subjective when you when you're making personnel evaluations that's something i find you know like i try and watch as much of the all 22 film as i can and even for me like i try and keep an open mind i try and evaluate things fairly look whenever you're doing that you're you're human and for some reason like one player one player two plays will just get stuck in your mind you'll remember that one player two plays about a guy and it, sometimes it's not fair. Sometimes a guy makes a spectacular play and he stinks. He, he largely stinks, but you keep that spectacular play in your mind. And other times a guy blows something. A guy blows like three three plays in the game and you keep that in your mind. Even if the guy goes out and plays a great game the next week, you always keep that in the back of your mind. You're, you, you're human. You make error. You, you develop biases. So it's good to have something like that. I, that's something I find. That's one of the reasons I like numbers because it gives me a chance to test my own biases out when I'm evaluating a player on film. And, you know, Joe Douglas is probably doing it at a more advanced level than I am. But it's just a good thing. It's good to have, like, a kind of a, a counterweight to that. And I think that's one of the things he's saying. I, th- I think that nobody's arguing that, you know, again, nobody's arguing that, you know, you were used, we're going to use war in football, you know, like the stats or VORP or, you know, the alphabet soup of stuff that's come up in baseball. Uh, but you can use analytics to give yourself an advantage. And, you know, just because Joe Douglas does not necessarily come from a big-time analytic background, well, that doesn't mean he's, he's going to dismiss them, dismiss numbers out of hand. Sometimes it's just it's used for game strategy. Look at the way the Eagles utilize going for it on fourth down, being, being aggressive going for it on fourth down, or being aggressive going for it on two-point conversions. These are the types of things that can help you steal a few points in a game. That could be the difference between winning and losing. You optimize your strategy. You, f- you find out, you look over the long haul, you look at the history of the league, and you find out which strategies work best. These are, the, these are just the areas where this stuff can come into play. And again, you know, it's not, Joe Douglas is not going to bring a ton of expertise into this, 
uh, as far as the an- analytics side. You know, everybody who's in a leadership role, every manager has strengths and weaknesses that they bring to the table. Joe Douglas is probably going to be more hands-on in the player evaluation realm than Howie Roseman was in Philadelphia. So he may need to bring in somebody who he can delegate the analytics side to. And look, part of the question is how the extent to which the Jets will embrace analytics under Joe Douglas. We don't really know that for sure. Will it be a staple of the organization? Will it be something they kind of look at here or there? We don't know that. And honestly, a lot, we probably will not find that out. In all honesty, we, pro- we probably are not going to learn a whole lot about that because the Jets will keep it a secret. Because why would you give away your methods for winning? But I'm encouraged to hear something like that. I'm encouraged to hear that Joe Douglas is uh, open-minded when it comes to analytics. And I was expecting that. I I really did not believe in the idea that he was just going to be totally closed-minded, totally dismiss the idea that analytics can help a football team. Because he's seen firsthand how how analytics can help a football team. if, If you go through that experience in Philadelphia and you see the way numbers have helped your team, helped improve your team, why would you dismiss it? Why would you throw away knowledge? And it doesn't mean again. It doesn't mean they. It doesn't mean numbers make the decision for you. It's just another piece of information. The more pieces of information you have, the more likely you are to make a good decision. So that's good news. I think I'm pleased to hear that Joe Douglas is embracing analytics at least to some extent. Locked on Jets podcast on the day after the Jets introduced their new general manager Joe Douglas. Um, one final thing Joe Douglas said that I think was fascinating and. Again, another welcome statement. Um, Football is a game of wills. We're going to try and build a team that will impose its will on other teams. And to do that, you have to be strong up front. And within that context, he said that quarterback is the most important position on the field, followed by the lines, the offensive line and the defensive line. And um, in the words of the great baseball announcer, Jack Buck, pardon me while I stand up and applaud. Because, boy, that is music to my ears. I, I have to tell you, that is, you know, you look at the previous regime and like part of this is going to be, I mean, we're going to be comparing Joe Douglas with the previous regime for a while. And I, I almost just want to let the previous regime go. I mean, I don't, I don't want to keep dwelling on what they did wrong, but they just did not understand positional value. I mean, the Jets just kept loading up at non-premium positions. Whether it's, you know, they spent the big money on linebackers and free agency. I mean, the Jets are loaded at non-premium positions. Safety's looking... It's not that, you know, you never, ever use a premium resource at a position that isn't that important. I mean, look, Jamal Adams is a valuable player. I don't... I have no issue with the Jets getting Jamal Adams with a first round, even with a first round pick, even with a top 10 pick. But the bulk of your important resources should probably be used at the premium positions. And like Douglas said, it's to impose your will on the other team. And I hope on defensive line, he's also talking edge rusher, which I think he is because you look at the teams he's come from, they value edge rusher. The Jets, to some extent, have focused on the defensive line, but they've kind of focused. The focus has always seemed to be more on shutting down the run, and it's a passing league, so you got to get pass rushers. Nothing wrong with interior linemen, but you also have to add some edge guys, guys who can get after the, after the quarterback. And on the offensive line, I mean, it's, again, there's no problem with bringing in some reclamation projects. Some of the best offensive lines in the league have a reclamation project or two. A veteran who maybe had talent but was down on his luck, maybe coming off an injury, found a, found a new home and got back to having success. Nothing wrong with bringing in, bringing in a reclamation project here or there. The problem is that with the old regime, that was pretty much the entire plan. Aside from you know maybe a mid to late round pick here or there. 
You can't build an entire offensive line on that. You've got to invest in the offensive line. I mean, look at what the Eagles did this year. And I don't know, you know, Andre Dillard may or may not be a good player, but let's just look at the theory behind the move. The Eagles traded up in the first round for left tackle. I'm not a big fan of trading up, but if you're going to do it, you do it for left tackle, cornerstone position. That's a, that's a trade-up I have no issue with. Some trade-ups I have an issue with. I don't have an issue with trading up for left tackle, cornerstone position. They, they did it before they needed. You, you don't wait for the offensive line to become an issue. You don't wait for the offensive line to become a weakness before you address it. You're proactive. You draft a guy, a guy who doesn't have to start year one, a guy who can kind of develop on and practice, ease his way into the lineup. That's the way you build an offensive line. So that's that's what I like. That that's my way of I mean, that that's I like that. I like the Joe Douglas approach, where you build you build your team out from the trenches. You know you you don't you don't try and moneyball the offensive line. You build your team out to control the point of attack, to to impose its will. I think that's a welcome development. So I hope, and that's, and, you know, everybody says stuff, and sometimes it doesn't pan out in the introductory press conference. But if you look at the way Joe Douglas's teams have operated, I mean, that's that's the way they've operated. So I think we're on pretty firm, firm ground on that in that sense. And I wanted to close out by reading one last quote, and it's actually not from Joe Douglas, it's from Adam Gase. And Adam Gase said, his evaluation skills are unbelievable. Guys who have worked with him in the past, they always would say, if Joe says a guy is a good player, believe him, because he knows what he's doing, and coaches trust him. And that's a, to me, that's a big statement. You know, I think back to when, a few months ago, when Adam Gase was hired, and Gase has a reputation for not being the easiest guy to work with. And I remember thinking, like, they were Jets were talking up Gaze and McCagden. I'm like, this is never going to work. I didn't think it was going to fall apart in five months. But I, I was thinking, sitting here thinking, like, these two guys are never going to be able to work together. These guys, I mean, they're, they're crazy if they think this is going to work. Douglas and Gaze, it seems like they really do have a good relationship. That's the reason Douglas arrived here. And it's important because, you know, people, have said, people in the league have said this. People in the media who know, you know, know him have said, you know, you have to know how to work with Adam Gase. He doesn't, he's not for everybody. And, you know, one of the things that's come up is Douglas gets Adam Gase. He knows how to work with Adam Gase. He knows how to get Adam Gase's respect, which is a big thing. And Adam Gase is going to... I just get the sense Adam Gase is going to de- delegate to Joe Douglas. He's not going to worry... He's not, I, I, this is the one guy I think is not going to be as hands-on with Adam Gase as... Uh, Adam Gase may not be as hands-on with this guy because it sounds like he trusts him. And that's something that's important in this organization because, you know, as we've discussed... This is an organization where things have not been harmonious for, in a long time. This is an organization where a lot of infighting, lots of dysfunction in recent years. It sounds like the, you know, we actually may have some guys on the same page. And I, I've said this before. I, Adam Gaze is in a totally different context now. If you're telling me Adam Gaze and Mike McCagnan and Gaze was hired in part because he was the only guy willing to take McCagnan's assistance. I mean, I got a tough time buying that working out. I got a tough time buying that that marriage is going to work out over the long haul. Now you're telling me Adam Gaze and Joe Douglas together, and Joe Douglas is saying I can work with this guy. I can work with Adam Gaze. We have the same vision. That I can, you know, I might be able to buy into, and we'll see. Gaze has a lot to prove. I, you know, he's he's got a lot to prove, but this is the type of arrangement I could actually see this working out. It's got me excited about this franchise, which is long overdue. I mean, I'm so glad to finally be excited about this team again. It's been a long road to get excited about this team again. And finally, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because you have this 
stellar general manager candidate. You have a head coach who, well, he has a lot to prove. Actually, he seems to really like this guy. These guys respect each other. These guys work well. These guys know how each other work. They trust each other. And you have this blue chip quarterback. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for the Jets fan base. It's been a long time coming. And it's been a long and difficult road, a long, difficult few months, long, difficult year, a long, difficult few years. But finally, you know, Wednesday, may have, Tuesday may have been the first day we look back on. It may be a day we look back on as the start of something special. So maybe the introductory press conference was meaningful after all. That's all for our show today. Thanks for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get the show on the Himalaya podcast app, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk more Jets.